My name is Bea Gonzalez, and I am a writer of mostly novels. And I'm Jay Rettelsberger, a singer-songwriter. We began a conversation on Twitter some time ago about Carl Jung, art, and the creative process, and we decided to share our discussion with all of you. Right, so you told me to watch The King of California. You suggested I watch that just when we were talking about different films. And um, I did. And uh, after that, we had a pretty interesting conversation we'll bring online right now about how you saw that particular film, The Journey, that Michael Douglas, I can't remember the character's name. Uh, I can't either. Okay, well, the, the main character, Michael Doug, played by Michael Douglas, that it was a, a, a journey of individuation. And so this brings up the biggest word in the Jungian universe, the one that is invariably mixed up with a whole bunch of things. Uh, that often when I, I put quotes about individuation, it is mixed up with individualism, which is a completely different thing, has nothing to do with it. So let's start just with that. Before we get to the film, we get to everything else, let's start with what does individual, what did he mean uh, by individuation, do you think? When I think of individuation, <clears throat> I think it uh, it as the goal of the total personality, that it is the goal of that personality actually becoming. So what I mean by that is it's the process of becoming a whole person, which is a lifelong venture. We're never completely there, but it's a it's it is the task that we have in life of integrating uh, aspects of our personality that that need to be brought to life that the the self that the total personality asks of us and <clears throat> a lot of times what happens whenever those uh, aspects of ourselves aren't being lived out in a conscious way they are we are living them out in ways that are you know probably not desirable or can lead us into some dangerous areas so i feel that this is about uh, the process of individuation as young said uh, is you know the process by which we become a psychological individual and and that has to do with us connecting to wholeness. It's about a connection to wholeness. So the ego, our, our center of consciousness, connecting to the whole personality. Okay, what does that look like? Because I, I think that one of the problems of the Jung's with this particular word is it just seems very hazy. What's the whole personality? Why, why wouldn't this be done anyway? It seems like a pretty reasonable thing to do. So define what that looks like. Give me, and then we'll talk about the films because I think, and and maybe a novel which will tell us what it looks like. But let, let's say, okay, how do you do this to begin with? How do you even find out what parts of you are trying to are are needed to make you whole? What? How, how do you find those parts? What are they? Are you're familiar with Copernicus? Yes. And Galileo, right? Sure, of course. Well, you know, there, there's the the notion of the uh, Copernican revolution, where the the um, he posited the the heliocentric theory, which was that the sun was the center of the solar system, not uh, the Earth. 
and I see this metaphorically as well. Uh, so <clears throat> the way that I look at this is the individual ego being uh, coming to grips with that it is not the center of the personality, that there is something bigger uh, that is directing the personality, that, that is directing the person, the individual. And maybe Galileo is a great example of what price you pay when um, you speak a truth that goes, yeah, exactly. the that goes against the collective, which is what I think is really central to the individuation process. The collective isn't necessarily interested in you becoming individuated, not the way that I understand it, because you'll do things that maybe, you know, the collective doesn't want you to do because, you know, you're not going to be following rules sometimes that they've set up for certain reasons which doesn't include killing anybody. Let me make clear. It just means some of the dictates the society has set up may not be so interesting to you. So, so I think a great metaphor here is the one of the acorn. Right. Yeah. It's the one you spell. Where, yes. Where you, you know, you have this acorn and it, and it has this capacity to be this oak tree. This oak tree that's like no other oak tree that, you know, it's its its own thing in nature. Uh, it becomes essentially what it is meant to be. Right. In order, so as individuals, for, for us to become that oak tree, we, we have to nurture uh, what is true in ourselves. And so that would, to me, that would mean things that we've talked about in the past and some of the talks like with killing the mother and killing the, the, the mother and killing the father, what society expects of us, learning about ourselves, learning what it is that drives us, learning it, uh, what it is that gives us meaning and purpose in life. Right, right. So, so the pitfalls are that you're, the way I see them anyway, is that A, they may not make it comfortable for you within a family construct, for example, or a family unit, because becoming individuated may mean you tell your father that you're not going to follow him in the family business. That's just a simple example, right? Or follow yes. his path. You know, I just listened to Robert Bly talk about um, one of the most difficult things for a man to do is to, especially an older son is to stand up to the career path that the father has chosen unconsciously not only for himself but for the child and that uh, it often really uh, wounds men that's one of the main sources and uh, i just thought about it. for some reason it came up because i was thinking of the examples of musicians you've mentioned uh, uh the case of morrison father was a military guy there's another one too i uh, just read about recently and it struck me again that the path of the father was a very um a very specific path that the child certainly did not follow in any way and that that does cause a huge amount of stress and part of it is that will always be rationalized is that the society and the family thinks they're protecting you so being uh, uh an aspiring musician is seen as something that's too risky right i i once had this extraordinary conversation with a friend and we were talking about children going to and my my child was my older child was going into an arts high school because of, to do film and uh i remember he said to me quite a, quite without thinking about it twice well i can't afford for my child to do that and i said well that the child this this art school is part of the, the system here in, in canada i mean in ontario so it wasn't a question he wasn't speaking about 
cost because it's part of the public school system here. He was speaking about, I can't afford for my child to become an artist because, and what I heard, which he didn't say is because my fear for him is too great. Um, and him taking, going into an art school may mean he ends up, God forbid, following the path of an artist. And I just thought it was, it was, it was honestly, it just took me aback, especially because he knows me well, we're friends and he's speaking to an author. I thought, you know, uh, yeah, it's not an easy path. There's no question about it. But, uh, but I think that is an example of uh, a child who, even if he chooses or would want to, to have a different path is already being steered from a very young age to reject certain paths that don't fit the family ideal. And I, this is all based on fear, by the way, because he basically articulated it that way. But I would consider that that child would have, and it's not only about career, but really what you're doing is you're, you're forcing a person to adopt a persona, which is what you develop in a work situation or with respect to how you, how you manage life in the first half of your life. It's forcing you into a jacket you may not want to wear. So it's it's a particularly difficult thing, I think. Well, it, when you talked about, you know, how do people do this? And, and again, I don't know if I'm going to be specific enough here, yeah. but uh, I, getting a little bit closer. So you're you're talking about, you know, we're all we're all raised, you know, in, in different environments, but but there's there's something in common in all those. And I think for reasons whether it, it's to progress through something that society wants us to progress through or, or to survive in a family, you know, there, there's certain parts of ourselves we are asked to reject. Yeah. And so those parts get hidden down in the unconscious. And so individuation, I see, is the process of unearthing those and setting our drives and instincts on their natural course. Yeah. Right. But it can also play out with sexuality. That's another one mm. that goes that goes underground because mm. in fact certain families that's not acceptable. Thank God it's becoming more societally acceptable. So then that makes it easier for the person to find a community at least. But that's one another way. Choice of partner actually in in many ways was often a problem um in general. But what about like I think with individuation is that how do we distinguish? Okay, maybe we'll 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 turn to an, a concrete example. I think for me anyway, examples. If I don't have a concrete example, I don't quite understand stuff so well. And I think because you told me to watch that film, and then you said that film was a good example of the uh, of the individuation path as lived out. So it's called The King of California. It wasn't watched by many people, but I'm not surprised because people tend to like the big stories. And this one's actually, I think, a giant story, but it's mm -hmm. disguised as a very little story. So people would have to be able to see through it. But basically, it's a guy who's not mentally stable, who who comes out of the, uh, he's been in a, and obviously in a hospital getting tended to, and his daughter is waiting outside and he becomes obsessed with one idea and slowly he drags this very reasonable, hardworking girl into his view of life. Uh, I don't want to ruin it for people because I think they should watch it. So I don't want to ruin the, the whole story. But what I thought was really interesting and how clever it is, is that at the end of it, there's a reference to California and the name, the origins of the name California, which is what hooked it in my mind. I finally understood 
what the director was doing. In California, for those who don't know this, uh, one of the theories, I think there's a couple, but this one is that it's actually a name that appears in a 16th century Spanish novel. 16th, yeah, 16th. Uh, there, there were these famous novels written in Spain. Spain is a country that produced a lot of crazy fantasy, uh, uh, weird uh, stories. And in, in the Golden Age, what's when Cervantes was writing and he parodied this, there were a whole bunch of novels that were produced about these knights that were going off. They were called, called knight errants, and they were going off and exploring new lands where they found improbable things and crazy women, Amazonian women. And it was all very, very fantasy laden. And they were really read by a lot. I mean, taking into account that, of course, literacy was not exactly high at the, the period, but people would get together and someone would read and they were very popular. And it's the weird historical uh, mix with this is that the younger nobility, the younger sons and noble families in Spain didn't inherit land. And so they had nothing to do. And so what when the so-called New World uh, was uh, encountered, I wouldn't say discovered, but they, they bumped against it and began what they did, um, it was the younger sons of these minor nobility that would go off and, and uh, take on the conquistador role. And they really were driven by these novels. They actually thought they would find. I mean, it was it's so delusional that it does make for a great story, unless you had to live through it and suffer. And certainly they knew how to do that, how to make people suffer. But what's interesting is California is a name of one of these lands that appears in one of these uh, novels that then Cervantes parodies mercilessly in Don Quixote, which is what makes that that actual novel just beyond many other things an incredible masterpiece. So California being this invented, and it kind of fits California, I'm sorry. It just, yes. has, it just is so perfect as a name, this invented land where a fantasy happens. Well, I mean, you know, Hollywood lies right there. It's perfect. Um, but so I, once I got to that point in the movie, I thought, okay, this is what it's related to. And maybe you can define what the central character is up to, because I think that's the whole the whole thing that drives it. Without spoiling anything. Well, as much as you can. I mean, you know, I think, honestly, I think it's in the performances that people are going I mean, that you know, it's not, you don't have to say how it ends, but. He is, the, the main character has uh, found a quest in life, uh, a major quest in life to find treasure that I, I believe the conquistadors had, yes. had, had stashed somewhere. Yeah. And so you have this uh, man driven to, to find this treasure in the midst of a landscape. So he's going through this process of this journey, uh, this quest in this landscape where he looks ridiculous, you know, in the parking lot of a Target or something like that, you know, in, in this, this very corporate, you know, consumer driven world. So in in he doesn't he does it without really questioning. He's so convicted and and driven uh, to get to this treasure. Uh, it's just a whole journey and path. Now, if you take that literally, there's two ways to take this, and there are two types of individuation that Carl Jung delineates. There is unconscious individuation, which is someone that is individuating in an unconscious way, meaning that uh, they are completely unaware of what they're doing. I would see someone obsessed with treasure seeking as a great example yeah. of unconscious individuation. 
But if you look at this film more metaphorically, it can look like conscious individuation in that I think metaphors or, or speak to individuation very well in that that is what we're doing in individuation is trying to uncover the treasure. And what is that treasure? It's something within ourselves. And the fact he's looking for gold and gold is. The, yes. It, it's, it's an alchemical. It, yeah, there's an journey, alchemical. Yeah. yeah imagery yeah. there. Related to the sun, the sun itself is related in, in old mythology to the path in life, what you are basically uh, here to do on an individual level. It's uh, very much part of the Hellenistic philosophical mind bent. It's it's very interesting to me. This so we talked about treasure seeking. You know, if you look on cable TV now, whether it be on Discovery or History Channels, you have all these shows of these uh, men and women that have dedicated their lives to yeah. finding treasure, and you know they just keep digging and keep digging and running it. And and it's like uh, I, I mean, it just plays out in this way. It's so metaphorical, but they but they're not seeing it in that way. They're so no dreams. no yes no because they're not trained that way. That's what that's the problem. You're not. And if they did, maybe it would stop them. Because I always think once you find it, you're going to have to look for another treasure because yes. you haven't understood what that meant, right? Um, if you understand the alchemical process, and by the way, in Jung's view, the alchemists themselves didn't really understand the alchemical process. Some of them didn't know what they were up to. They thought they were finding something that was in matter, but in fact, it was really a process. They were going yes. through a transformation. So I'm not sure everybody is aware, and that's what's so clever about that film, that the person watching can take it either of two ways and i'm wondering if the reason it wasn't so appreciated is that we have a very myopic type of audience that could only see it one way so they see it as oh this is kind of a charming little film whereas i think the reason it appealed to me and i don't watch a lot of films but this one appealed to me and i'm glad you recommended it is that it had that second level that i thought wait and i immediately thought of don quixote because don quixote has a character that is very much like actually has two characters don quixote is not only don quixote but sancho panza and of course with with um this he has the daughter who's playing the sancho panza role in that both of them are reasonable they know that the difference is sancho panza is really enamored of don quixote's dreams because he wants to get an island out of it he wants something out of it and so he'll follow he he has to follow once he's committed he's basically okay even though he everything he's leading me to seems to end in disaster and here's where i think the film really reflects that novel so well and it brings up a problem with the whole question of individuation in both the case of the novel you know don quixote famous for going out there and seeing you know giants where it's windmills you know the the obvious ones that i think most people have heard of but in some cases people end up really hurt in don quixote because his mistakes means that somebody gets beaten up um in the same way uh the daughter in this story is being hurt by the father i mean as charming as he is and he is and is captivated by life but then by the same token you get enough clues in there just like with sancho panza that he 
cannot give up this because the father and uh, Don Quixote are holding a certain type of life energy that the more sensation types can't. I, I see it as an intuitive versus sensation kind of problem, mm -hmm. right? The sensation person is fascinated by the intuitive because they see possibilities and, and things they cannot see. And usually the intuitive needs a sensation person so they don't kill themselves because they're off, you know, the extreme is off doing crazy things, right? Does that so make to, sense to you? Yeah, to bring them down. So the sensation type would would be detail-oriented, grounded, really grounded in the reality principle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and and the, in, in intuition is really connecting and and uh, uh there's someone that needs to be grounding whereas the gr grounded whereas uh, the, the sensation type i guess it would be fair to say sometimes lacks imagination in ways yeah they do they're very good at organizing and i mean these are pure types we all have a mixture of everything and one day we'll do just one thing on typology because it is so fascinating so most people are pure intuitives, you know, and most, so he, I think Michael Douglas's character is definitely a pure intuitive, as is Don Quixote. You will see the typical representation is of a very thin, tall man who forgets to eat, which is the intuitive problem. And then you get the squat, short, um, you know, uh, man with a with a girth who loves to eat, and that's a sensation because they're they're grounded to the earth. They really they're really into the earthy things. <clears throat> but it is it is like one without the other, and this is within an individual psyche. And, and at the same time, the intuitive can lack action. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> yeah. can which which can lead into depression. And I know that I mean, yeah. you 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 get so. Um, and I'm speaking from experience. You get so. Yeah. Uh, overwhelmed chasing ideas or or trying to keep up with ideas that that you're immobile because you know it's you've got all these possibilities out there and right. no commitment to anything yeah yeah I, I, i'm not sure if it's a good idea to have two intuitives discussing this issue because <laughs> we probably need a third coming here going come down to so the central problem though that shows up in don quixote that i referenced earlier which does show up here as well is that issue that how do we know uh, so you look at Don Quixote, you look at you look at uh, Michael Douglas's character. <clears throat> is that individuation or is that mental illness? I mean, this is where things get really, really murky. And are we just looking at mental illness in the wrong way? Is it possible that somebody who is um, called mentally ill is actually seeing something we can't see? This is something is often said. It's often said about the artist, by the way. And partially it's because they're seeing a reality that the collective cannot see. And yet the collective needs this is the stupid part like they need each other again yeah well I, one flew over the cuckoo's nest that's what yeah. that you know yeah. um Sorry. yeah I, you know when you bring into mental Ill, mental illness it you know i i've worked in in mental health for almost 20 years and right. um it's uh it's still something that's that's kind of hazy because I, I think I think there is a, a lack of discernment regarding what is a clinical problem and what is the certain aspects of the of, of the self trying to be lived out. You could say that you know we have a social structure and we have our life force. Sometimes that social structure doesn't support the life force. Oh, I think a lot of times it doesn't support the life force at all because so, you can't run. You can't. I think if if you did support it, you'd be allowing too many things to be out of control. 
And that's uncomfortable for structures that are built on rules, right? So what happens is, I think, is when we come up against that structure, it's very easy for that to be transformed into mental illness, hmm. I think. And, and I, I am not saying this in any way to minimize mental illness and what it is. I'm simply speaking theoretically that I do think that the, the collective and the, and the system do have a role in, oh. in how individuals develop and how free they are within themselves. Oh yeah, for sure. I heard this story, I read this story that I thought was really fascinating about artists in the thirties and how living in Europe and how they were all really into art and they thought politics was really silly and why pay attention to politics? We're artists, we're gonna get together and we're gonna drink and we're gonna have great discussions and paint great paintings. And there was a quote about one of them in the forties saying, and then the world crashed all around us because we'd stop paying attention to it. So I'm wondering with as much as the individual is trying to find the kernel of who they are, you're living in a time and place. You can't really, and if you were living in the 16th century, that individuation process would be very different. Maybe that is when mm -hmm. you said no to your family and married the person they didn't approve of, which is less common today, at least in the West. But what his point is that how can you not take into the sickness of the society? as what part of what the individual is is railing against or responding to or it's part of the whole process right is that what mm -hmm. you were speaking to or is this something yes. different okay no no that was it yeah. that was it the 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 social structure is also a form and and so that that provides that provides a uh, certain oh, okay so this is an idea that just occurred to me spontaneously so the social structure is kind of a form and it has certain dictates and then you have uh the life force of the individual maybe part of part of the individuation process is being able to express that truth through the social form Okay, give me an example now. Here's where we really need to get into. What does it look like? How, how would you express it? I mean, person X, give me an example. How does this look? How I would personally? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a, a musician, a singer, right. songwriter. So music hasn't always been what it is today. Mm. You know, it, it's the form changes. Uh, it's always changing. You know, I don't know. So if you if you set me back, four centuries ago, I'm probably not writing songs. Mm. I'm no, probably not. I'm no. probably not. Nope. Um, there wasn't pop music or, you know, structured I, I think, in a different way, right? Structured in different ways. And, yeah. and musicianship was, I, I would say that was less inclusive, especially oh, yeah, in Europe, especially oh, yeah. in Europe. Um, uh, but, uh, but not everywhere on the globe, I, I would say in, in tribal communities, probably, um, different. I live in a time and a place where I can create music and I can upload it yes. onto the internet. And so that is giving me a way to express myself through the social structure. Right. Right. True. Or through what, whatever we've created, that's true. Okay. Whatever we've created. Um, right. And so that is how I can be more of who I am in what, in the time I'm, I'm, I'm born into. She's my everything. When she's 
but what if okay so the artists yes new ways of of uh, being able to express themselves uh, what if, what about the well, but that's not going to be the individuation process for the avenue, no. for most people right so right. W- again i go back to what does this look like uh, and and i also think that it's also you can't really say well you go to Jungian analysts because first of all a Jungian analyst is very hard to find for some people in some places and expensive so let's say i'm person a and i'm going okay well i'm buying into your idea that I need to individuate. So how the hell do I do that? Like, what are these steps I take to find out what this looks like in me? What would you suggest? What would you tell them to do? First, you have to listen to yourself. And you have to be, I, I, what I mean by listen to yourself. Okay, but not the ego, right? Because you're always listening to your ego. It never right. shuts up. Right. So what part so, of you are you you asking people to listen to? Any thing that has ever elicited passion uh, a great energy in yourself i would even say to explore now now fantasy i see as part of the ego but i do think exploring fantasy is important oh yeah no i agree i agree it's in our life right yeah. for instance for me i i did not know that i was going to become a singer songwriter i feel like there was I've talked about when I was in college and, and even in high school some I wanted to be a writer of some sort I felt this thing inside me that needed to express itself and it wasn't until I learned more of the form that I was able to do that but I knew that there was something that I was not expressing that needed to be expressed there are certain um you know business ventures yeah, yeah, can even can 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 even yeah. but it needs to come from a place where we would call you know the fourth chakra the the heart yeah the heart so i have a great example that just came to mind that was on a pbs special i remember i don't know why this stuck to me i don't even know who told this story it was i think a therapist of some kind that was doing one of those specials the pbs does you know yes. and she told the story of a woman coming to see her for therapy and she was obsessed with gorilla gorillas like very love gorillas beyond anything else her day job was something like an accountant and she would come over and talk incessantly about gorillas about how she read about them and she watched documentaries and she'd go to the and um at one point the the woman uh the therapist said i don't see why you are not doing something work with with gorillas because this is beyond and she looked to the therapist and said i couldn't do that and the therapist said well why and she said because everybody wants to work with gorillas <laughs> and i remember thinking this is how blind we are right Anyway, the long and the short of that story was that eventually the woman started volunteering at the local zoo and then got a job at the zoo, eventually left accounting and did a job that she loved. And I mean, that's reducing it to a job. But the fact is, for her, it wasn't a career path the way that maybe accounting was, but she was doing something that really engaged her because to your point, um, she was spending her life and she had gone into uh, therapy because she was depressed. And that's often what happens when you're living a life that is lacking in that kind of sort of passion, right? Often you get fake passion, which is projected onto people. So instead of following, um, and you have to be careful here because I think it could be interpreted. Well, individuation means I get to follow that relationship or I get to, and I think yes. that's very thorny, right? Um, I, I think more of that example is someone who loves something and who I would say to people, if you love something, you should be able to volunteer and give of your time without expectation of money. Uh, because anybody who creates 
does most of that for luck because very few people get rewarded for creating anything in this society. So um, I thought that was a particularly interesting example because it didn't include the usual writing, you know, music, whatever, or acting. It was something that was just a pure passion and desire to engage with something she had watched. I see that um, in, in avid bird watchers who will spend hours just looking for a bird. It means nothing. No, it won't make them a better person. They can't get money out of it, but they will spend hours. And it's fascinating to me. It, when we were talking last week, the idea of becoming alive, I, I think that's the idea here. You know, and this is an interesting thing. I've never brought this up to you. I was discouraged. And it, it's so easy to... To uh, enmesh Joseph Campbell and Jung, the hero's journey oh, and yeah. the process of individuation. And in grad school, I was discouraged from doing that okay. yeah, because because well, you have to keep theoretical framework separated. And and uh, but I do see the hero's journey as the path of individuation. Okay, I'm going to counter a little bit. I'm going to push back a little bit on the hero's journey just on this level. First of all, I think it's, I'm so glad you brought it up because one of the things that most annoys me is the pushback on the word bliss and the misinterpretation of what that word means. Certainly. Okay. And follow your bliss does not mean follow whatever the hell you want to do. And it's check not out. hedonism. No, it's not at all. Just like individuation is not individual, selfish individualism. Um, it is following the left-hand path, which is the path of the heart, which is the path that's going to take you off the path of the collective, right? You have to forge, make your own path. And it isn't easy. Most people who do that, and you can fail, and you can fail really spectacularly. And so the idea that it's an easy thing, but I think he used a word that is very loaded, and it makes people think of checking out and doing whatever you want and not being responsible. Actually, what he's saying is you're responsible to a larger vision of yourself, which in turn could benefit the collective a lot more because your vision can bring, and that brings in the hero's journey. Now, here's the issue with hero's journey. The Jungians, I, I see this online, I think they, miss, they get very angry because they see it as a masculine journey, right? You set out, it's very right. active. Um, and I, what, what always, okay, what do you think of this? It, 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 it annoys me because I don't understand why Jungians of all people would be saying this. If we are, be, regardless of you being male and I'm female, we're both have masculine and feminine energies. What is the problem if that is the, the, the masculine journey? If in fact, we all have that, then it isn't limited to men. You're mistaking masculine for men. It makes no sense to me. Do you know what I mean? Right. Well, I mean, on the same hand, you could you could ask if Christ's journey was was a feminine journey. In in the sense of how in, the surrender? In, in the sense of the surrender and the descent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So descending, of course, is more associated because we always think of uh, actually the original descent to me is Anana's descent yes. um, into the underworld, and then it's been replicated over and over again. It's usually a feminine descent. I agree. Yeah, but it won't be looked at that well that way. You know that because first of all, people don't know how to look and see things metaphorically, so that's a problem. But I'm surprised by Jungians not getting that, like by yeah. getting worked up about oh, this is a feminist problem. We have to re rethink Jung. He was clearly he was living at a time when feminism was not in the ascendancy clearly he was not comfortable with his own female daughters doing certain jobs so of course he was a man of his time but i think the actual uh, individuation story 
and the fact that he had a lot of his analysis with women. So clearly he understood that women were multifaceted and were on their own journey. But I always found that interesting. If, if, if it is a masculine journey, it's still available to me <laughs> because right. I, I, I have a masculine part. So I just wanted to clear that up because it always, I see it debated all the time on Twitter. And I think this is, this is weird that you're not seeing this. I, I, I wonder. Don't... The only thing masculine about the hero's journey that I understand, I don't, I, I think personally, I've understood it as integrating both. Well, well like, can, I, can I suggest maybe how they're seeing it, how I think they're seeing it, and how I do think it's a masculine journey? It's an active path, right? For yes. most but you can do it, that, that you've just raised something really interesting, though. You can do it as an inner story as well. In fact, the right way to do this is an inner and an outer expression. Mm -hmm. So the inner would be the masculine journey of sitting, understanding, and then the outer would be the expression in the outer world. So it can be both. It doesn't, and again, either it's not either or, it's both and. What right? is it, though, but, but this is where I'm coming what is it that initiates the journey it's the call the, the call, call comes from within yeah that's true that's very true yeah that's why I see it that way and you are making a round you are making yes. a, a a cycle a circle right you know I that's something I I, I try I don't I, you know these things that sometimes people get hung up on well uh, it's it's important to bring them out though because it's I I see it and I think it, it's massive dis misunderstanding of, of the whole story and by the way part of it is that it was adopted by certain filmmakers and everybody knows that the the most famous adoption of this is Star Wars so sure. they look at it as Luke's story blah blah, blah and then and so then it becomes this thing I am actually seeing this right now because I'm really engaged with the new Lord of the Rings adaptation over on Prime which features a female character and it's getting everybody all worked up and I think oh, this is really super interesting just how people react and get lost in these categories without thinking well let's look at the larger story right which is what I think with story you should be looking at so it's it's important to address it but i agree with you that it has both an inner and an outer uh, component in fact the the outer doesn't happen without the inner first precipitating as you say the call comes first then you take your first step right yes what was it though when i talked about comparing the hero's journey with the process of individuation that you said you were going to push back a little on. Did, oh, I, did uh, I miss that? No, oh, no, no, no. The pushing back was I was bringing in these these categories uh, of, of thought. The, the fact is the so the the way it's expressed is a solar journey, and a solar journey is definitely because the sun round again is very much rooted in a masculine, okay, active principle. You have to act. The hero cannot sit and and so in other words, you don't have a heroic tale right? Even the Buddha has to leave his, his enclosed world to go out into the world and, and learn this and, and live out the story he has. He doesn't stay inside his castle, in his, his whatever, his walled garden. Yeah. I get, I think maybe I just kind of thought of the reasoning behind, and I think you've kind of answered it, why the two maybe why I was why I was uh, discouraged from from uh, blending the two or enmeshing the two is I think the hero's journey would be the external and it, the process of individuation would be the internal because okay. the pro here's the thing with the process of an individuation that the hero's journey really does not address it does mythologically but it's not spelled out like it is in depth psychology part of individuation the process is it, it so much of it has to do uh, when you when it comes to conscious individuation is 
so much inner work is a part of conscious individuation yep. is the dream work so you are making things part of individuation is making the unknown known right that is a huge part of it and i don't know that the hero's journey uh gets into that so much i wonder if it does but it does it in a metaphorical way it does so it more in a matter yes. yeah so we're i think again it's the impoverishment of um the general ability to to see the world in those terms that make it difficult to see a story and say hey this is really actually speaking about an inner inner process but it has to yeah. be externalized and made into adventure or else you won't get it right. right so then everything can be seen on two levels it can be seen on the exterior level and on the interior level as your life can be seen in the same way right Well, the other thing that you said that I really like that I want to make sure it gets amplified here is you said that um, how one's process of individuation affects the collective. So just as let's take King of California, an example, if we're looking at this metaphorically, uh, this man's individuation process, um, this character, if we look at that as a, as the individuation process, what it tends to do, because you are so close, so much closer to nature and so much closer to your truth that the people that you are involved with that are a part of your journey and your adventure start connecting on that same level that they engage in their own inner world yeah in that same way so you're all your journeys may all be different but you're also connected through yeah yeah and you're changing the other person you just brought up the reason that don quixote beyond all reasons is such a brilliant story is that by the end of the thousand pages of part one and part two the characters become each other have taken on enough of each other through this interaction and i think that's happens in king of california as well the idea that the, the the each of the characters the sanctification of Quixote and the mm. Quixoteization or whatever yes. of Sancho happens and it's the love between these two that develops that actually makes the story way above what most stories are and that wouldn't happen if there had been judgment on one part or whatever it's the idea that both of them come to alive because of the vision of the other right and especially I mean in the case of course Don Quixote being the one who has the big visions in that case you get that but uh and and it makes the ending of Don Quixote which I won't record I'm not quite sure anybody's really ready to take on a 1000 page 16th century Spanish novel <laughs> I'm not recommending it although I think it's great uh but anyway the point is that if it if it weren't for that so I think what you're saying if I hear you right is that that's really the key the idea that it's never done on only on your behalf you're bringing in the world with you because very few people individuate on a mountain as Joseph Campbell or somebody said uh that's a, a different process and i guess you could come back from the mountain and then preach but if you're just going to spend the rest of your life on a mountain 
then I think you've missed part of the story. And the part of the story is we go back, right? This is the the last the step. Return. The, the return. And to give the boon to the society. It's mm -hmm. not just for you. And that, and I think I've always interpreted that is it gives you <laughs> back to society without all your uh, need to to villain make a villain of anybody or anything. Uh, you're more integrated you, you're the more integrated you are, the less likely you are going to be to do damage to others. That's just the number one gift you can give, right? Is not to to uh, and that means you've learned, and this is one of the um steps in the whole thing, to kind of sit and not <laughs> not take sides within your own inner world, which I think might be the hardest process, right? Mm -hmm. Because the unconscious individuation is the one that ends up in, in the famous story that I love from Jung, and I might have told it already, but I love it, about the pastor he that was seeing him, and he kept having the dream about being a drunk, and then one day he said, I, I realized I am a drunk, <laughs> and he goes off and he drinks himself to death. That's an unconscious um, way of individuation. So he was a pastor, he was too rigid in his thinking, the dreams were trying to tell him to wake up, um, you know, maybe let the intuitive side in that was too threatening. So you go, you have the classic switch to the other side and you destroy yourself. By the way, this happens a lot with addiction. I think that there's a, there's an unconscious and that's what Gabomete and a lot of people are pointing to. There might be an unconscious need to do something that the conscious mind won't let you do. You won't accept it. So you, you descend, you know, in you, your own way. You know, this just came to me. It happens a lot with religion too. Yes, of course. Uh, people have this conversion experience. So a, a great example of this, and 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 um, is I don't know if you're familiar, but the story of Malcolm X. Malcolm X led. Uh, he grew up. He had a horrible childhood. Saw you know. Saw his his father was murdered. His mother was uh, taken away uh, and and put in a mental institution. And and uh, he grew up on the streets and. Uh, he lived a criminal lifestyle and uh, he got into drugs. He goes to prison. He converts to Islam. Mm -hmm. He becomes a member of the nation of Islam, very rigid structure rules. Okay. So he lives out the opposite of what he was living. Right. He has a third experience that happens on his journey to Mecca mm -hmm. where he connects with the humanity of all people because that structure in America is no longer there. And so he is connecting with people on a deeper level. And that was a different type of conversion that he had. Um, it was the third thing right. that I think really transformed him. So that, that when I think of uh, a story like, you know, I, I definitely think religion can do that to people. Yeah. And I think all of these are ways mm -hmm. to access a deeper part of yourself and we don't give instruction in society on how to do that. <clears throat> we don't tell people to look at their dreams. We don't tell people to sit with their imaginations and see where it takes you without judging it as, um, you know, we, we don't really respect that. And so we don't teach that. You can't expect people to understand it. And the substitutes or the ways that they were traditionally given to us were the religious systems, which don't work for a vast majority of the people right now. So you're left to drift. And so you dope yourself up with gaming or <laughs> watching TV. There's, there's so many ways you can check out. <clears throat> but the point you were making, which I think is so important, is that you can choose to consciously individuate. And I think the reason I would leave people with this, that the reason to do it, and see if you agree with this, is sometimes it happens to you violently. It's like this notion that fate will do what you won't do. What you, what the, 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 the work you will not take on consciously, fate will deliver in terms of 
the loss of something. That's often the case, right? Loss of a marriage, loss of a career, loss of financial disaster. And then you are forced uh, from a very, um, very debilitated state to, to start working on it. So if you can, or, you know, or you just self-destruct. So if you could tell people from the beginning, you have to develop some sort of dialogue with your inner life, some, some sort of, because that's your guidance system. It's not in the outer world, it's in the inner world. And sometimes what the inner world is prompting to you to do may feel really threatening to the ego, but if it's not breaking any major law, it might be something you, 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 you might want to investigate just to see where it's taking you and why you have that kind of longing, which is where, where what, you know, what usually drives it in a conscious way. Do you agree with that? Yes, I, I would agree with that. You know, the, I'm often thought of, think of people, you know, there's the corny saying in, a, in, in America anyway, you know, follow your dreams in, in, a, in a way. So, so that can be looked at it two ways. Uh, again, I see follow the dreams kind of the same of Campbell's notion of, of follow your bliss. And that doesn't mean necessarily trying to become famous or, no. you know, trying to become, and I can't stand this word, great. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, but uh, following your heart. Yeah. So, and that often is interpreted as corny, but I think actually what it just means, and if you look at it in the Joseph Campbell way, it is the hard path. It is going to put you at odds with many, many people um, and people who have vested interest in you as well, by the way. Um, it's the typical story that somebody around you wants you to be a certain thing because they need you to fulfill their own whatever agenda they have. And it's not, like I said, agenda sounds awful, but we all do have certain yes, things we that, we, that people live out for us. So to me, again, it's like agency means I realize who I am and I will put anything on the line to, to fulfill that. It doesn't matter if it's not accepted. You know, the, the other film that you also recommended that I think speaks to that and I think is a great story of individuation, that's Searching for Sugarman. I think uh, that uh, that that is just such a fantastic story of a person who is individuated to me. If I, if somebody asked me, okay, what example can you think of? That's the one that would come to me. That last scene in that documentary, it's a real person in a really interesting life path. Uh, I just thought this person understands on a deeper level than most people understand what it is like to follow the path they wish to follow and to not get attached to any part of it, to exactly. not get attached to fame, to not get attached to recognition, to kind of enjoy it and think of it's, it's quite funny what happened to him. That's the joy I saw in him, but he never got attached. No. And man, did I respect that person. I just looked and I thought this, this, this is, why cannot, why can't we make that the, the, the guiding instead of, you know, you have kids looking up to the YouTube stars or I want to be this. And, and I thought, wow, we don't, we don't value that journey. And that's actually the true journey because you see that a lot of what people are valuing are people that end up self-destructing, like completely, they, they cannot handle what's been on to them. Whereas what, what's interesting about his path is that it never did it just because he never attached that to it he just mm -hmm. did it for the love of it which hats off i mean that's what i would love to see more stories of that nature Certainly. which we don't you know they're very small and they don't okay well again i mean this is a subject we could do another follow-up because it is so complex um but but anyway i think that's a good start because i think it is a words that get people very confused so good good Okay, so we were talking about individuation and uh, what inevitably comes up 
often I think when this topic is is uh, discussed is, well, that's all fine and good, you know, but not everyone has the same opportunities in life. Not everybody has the same resources. And that is very true. Uh, there's, there's no denying that. People need resources and people need to have their basic needs met for individuation. You know, I think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs as, as an idea there that, you know, we, if, if we're stuck in survival mode, if we're people stuck in survival mode and, and living with chronic stress, it's going to be very difficult. So that brings us to, well, is, you know, some, some might, some might even say that in the process, process of individuation is, you know, um, something only privileged people can do. And so I, I think some people get turned off by that idea. Yes and no. I mean, what do you think? Well, I think that if you're privileged, then you should do it. <laughs> In fact, it is incumbent upon you to do it because, frankly, you'll do less damage. That's the whole point of this, right? Ultimately, to do less damage to others. Otherwise, this makes no sense to me personally. Because by being who you are meant to be, you're not going through life creating chaos. That's the only way I can look at it. Maybe to the person that you set a boundary against because you realize that's not what you want, that may be seen as chaotic, but ultimately you are trying to become, I mean, distill the essence of who you are and you're never going to get it hundred percent. But I think the ultimate thing is that for me anyway, it shows you that you are connected to everybody else. And so if you're connected to everybody else, you're probably going to make decisions that hopefully won't hurt as many people through your own unconsciousness because let's face it unconsciousness probably creates the biggest problems for other people so for me yeah it's of your privilege you're more you should be doing it more um and yeah of course of course someone who isn't is going going to have to attend to their basic needs that's just that's a given but at some point if the whole point of individuation is to become a better human and it isn't really i mean this is a this is kind of a tricky thing right uh, right. Because being more you doesn't mean that you're a better human. But I actually do think that you do feel more connected in some way. I, I think I think a distinction has to be made here. If our goal becomes to be a better human, that we're we're probably on the wrong track. <laughs> if well, that okay, makes sense. Okay, so a better human. Let, let's let's parse this. Out. No, no, no. So what, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying the individuation okay. cannot do that. What I'm saying is, no, it's not we, the goal. No. Yeah, no. it's not the goal. No, it's not the goal. That's more like a behavioralism type of thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. I, then I didn't express myself correctly. I just think, in my own experience of this, that it being okay when you are happier because you are more congruent, okay, within, I think you do less damage because what part of individuation means taking back all the projections or as many of the projections you have in others, right? And so if you're not doing that, you're probably not doing as much damage just on that alone. So I don't mean better because you're going to do, you know, more acts of charity or that. I just think that when you do that, I'm not going to hold you accountable for my life or anyone else. And when you do that, I think a lot of problems in life occur because people hold other people to some sort of uh, accountability for their own lives. So they won't make decisions or they're basing it too much on what the other is doing. And that creates a lot of damage. Might be the most, whether it's parent to child, 
partner to partner, uh, even friends. You know, you start expecting people to live parts of yourself, your life, that they're not really meant to do for you. So I think in that way, you become a better human, but not better in a moralistic. I hate that word because it could be. Yeah, right. okay, so no, I'm glad I, you, I, you clarified it. What yeah, I was no. thinking of was what Campbell said. And, and Campbell wasn't speaking about individuation here. He was speaking about um, the hero's journey. Uh, and we, we discussed how those kind of parallel each other earlier. What he said was when your individual nature aligns with nature itself. I think that's what we're talking about. Yeah, that makes better. That's a better definition. This is the problem, you know, words are always going to muddy everything up. But I do think of the way we defined it up to now is that ultimately, if you are more yourself, then you are less uh, likely to make other people responsible for you. And, and so uh, people, again, may argue that this is a thing of privilege. Well, uh, like anything, whether you're talking, uh, there's, there's such a thing as using your privilege for the greater good. Uh, the greater good being, I think last time I, I talked about um, when we tried to do this before, I brought up the matrix mm -hmm. and Neo's journey. Yep. We can look at individuation as, as opposed to a system using us, us using a system, uh, us plugging ourselves into knowing who we are and plugging ourselves into that system, system and utilizing it mm -hmm. uh, to a human, to a human end. Mm -hmm. And that's what the journey of Neo is in the Matrix. Like I was telling you, he um, he was living in an illusory world. And he unplugged from that, found his body, and then, you know, went into the underworld, found his body, and then he reemerges within the system to live out who he is, truly is, right. in that system. And I think that's just such a great metaphor for individuation. Well, let's leave it at that. That sounds, uh, that sounds like the perfect example. So that's good. Thanks for listening. The music you've been listening to is from Jay Rettelsberger's album, Harvesting James. You can find his music at the links provided in the show notes. There you'll also find links to anything else we've mentioned during our conversation. Thanks also to our producer, Andrew Graham. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating so others will find us as well. For now, until next time.